The uh, last few sermons I've preached have been from Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and we're going to continue there with the devoted church. So let's read that verse again, Acts 2, 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Now we have gone over the uh, doctrine, the fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and today we're going to discuss a church that is devoted to prayer. And in my preparation of this message, I was praying to God to give me insight that He would bless me. And I was struck with something that prayer is both a, a great importance and it is a great privilege to be able to approach a mighty throne of grace and God hears our prayers, our petitions, to Him. But sadly, this is one of the most neglected areas that we see in churches. We need to commune together to God. We need to be a body that approaches our Savior who has purchased us with His blood together as a church. We've learned of their steadfastness to the truth. And I am thankful for the truth. We've learned of their steadfastness to fellowship. And I am thankful for fellowship. We've learned of their dedication to the Lord's Supper. And I am thankful for the Lord's Supper. But church, we must be a praying church. A church that comes together as a body that is devoted dedicated to going to our Lord and Savior. We plead with Him. We petition to Him and we praise Him in our prayers. Now there are very many, very many aspects to the Christian life, but I think that prayer culminates them all together. That it is our communing with our Savior that gives us the strength and the grace to then go out and live as He would have us to live, to do as He would have us to do, to witness as He would have us to witness. But we must not neglect the most important, and that is communing ourselves as a church with God. Prayer is simply this. Simply stated, it is talking to God. It's not complicated. There's not some, some deep thing that you must research and study and pick apart. Prayer is simply talking with our Savior. It is going to Abba, Father. Prayer in this sense is not meditation or passive reflection. That is important for you to do as an individual and in your families and also as a church to reflect on the Scriptures to meditate on the Scriptures. But that is not what this prayer here is talking about. This is talking about verbally as a church going to God in prayer. It is our direct address to God Himself. Our direct pleas to God Himself. It is the communication of the human soul with the very Lord and Creator and Savior of that soul. That's what our prayer must be here. 
I said I was going to tie myself, and I didn't. So I started that. Prayer is the primary way which we, the believer, speak to God, and He hears us. But God speaks to us in His Word as we pray to Him with our voices and our hearts. It is our primary way of fellowshipping with God. If I want to speak to my earthly father, my physical father, I don't just think about it and say, what a great conversation. I go to my dad and I talk to him. I speak to him. And he listens to me. But how much more in heavenly father? How much more a heavenly father when his children, whom he loves, come to him in prayer? And he hears us. I, as an earthly father, want to listen to my children. But you know, sometimes as an earthly father, I've had a bad day and I don't really want to listen to my children. Or I may be listening but not hearing them. God hears His people's prayers. Christian prayer in in its full New Testament meaning is a prayer that is addressed to God the Father through God the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is how we approach our Father in prayer. And He enables us through His Spirit to approach Him. And that enabling is done because of the purchasing that God has done for our souls through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But He does not hear everyone's prayers. John 9, chapter 31 says, He does not hear the prayer of the wicked, but He does you. His ears are not open to all the world. His ears are not open to those who turn their backs on Him. His ears are not open to those who reject Him. His ears are open to you, His people, the people who trust Him, who believe Him, who know Him as their Father. His ears are open to you. Psalm chapter 34 tells us that He hears the righteous cry and He delivers them. Not always in the way that the righteous wants or that we think, but in what we need. And He delivers us. And it says He is near. He is nigh unto the brokenhearted and those of a contrite spirit. He hears you when you go to Him. Prayer is is a privilege. It is not something that you innately have the right to do. That the world has the right to do to go before a holy God and make petitions to speak to, to even deign to approach. It is a privilege that has been purchased for you. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us that we have been granted access to the very throne room of God Almighty, that we now, as common people, can approach Him in the Holy of Holies. Not everyone had that privilege in the Old Testament to go into the Holy of Holies to offer a sacrifice to God. That was a privilege that only certain priests had to do. You, now, the New Testament church, has that very right 
and privilege to go before the throne room and the Holy of Holies where God is present. And He is there to hear you. This is the very God who rules the universe, who created all things, who created your very soul, who breathed life into you, who holds you and sustains you, who created all things, both the evil man and the good man, the mountains and the hills and the valleys and the oceans and the flowers and the animals. He hears you. He has given you the privilege to approach Him. And He hears you. He has condescended to hear the potter petition. The clay petition to the potter. The very Maker hears you. We have no given right, but He has given you the right through Jesus Christ. And when we come to Him, it is for His glory, but it is for your good that you approach that very throne. James chapter 4, verse 2 says, You have not because you ask not. He has given you the privilege and the right to come to Him and ask of your Father for your needs. Prayer is also a duty, not just a privilege. He has given you the right to approach Him, but He has also commanded you to approach Him in prayer. We as blood-bought children of God must not neglect must not neglect what that blood has done for us. What it has purchased us the right to do to approach Him. God uses our prayers to carry out His will. Yes, His eternal will. His sovereign will. But He works through the prayers of His righteous people. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6-7 through says, paraphrasing, Don't be anxious about anything. In every situation that you find yourself in, go to Him in prayer with thanksgiving and present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. In other words, He's saying, worry about nothing, but pray about everything. Pray over everything, but don't worry. Your Father is hearing your prayers and He is working it for your good. No matter how He answers your prayer, He works it for your good. Our prayer develops our relationship with Him. It demonstrates our trust in Him. And the New Testament church here in Acts 2 was living that trust. They were a church devoted to prayer. But I want to focus on their corporate prayer. In Acts chapter 1, verse 14, Christ had been crucified. He had been risen from the dead. He had ascended. And it says, They all continued with one accord in prayer, with supplication, with the women, with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with His brethren. They continued together as a blood-bought people. Now, He had promised them that the Holy Spirit would come, and the Holy Spirit had not yet come there in Acts chapter 1. But yet they meet together. 
through the promises of Jesus Christ. Imagine this. They had followed Him for three years, worshiping Him, seeing the good that He had done, seeing that He truly was God, and then seeing that He was dead, raised again, and ascended. And now here they are. And they're remembering the promises back in John 14 where He says, Ask and you shall receive it of Me. Ask Me. Because He had just told them, I will be going away. And He knew that they needed comfort. And here they are trusting in the words of Jesus Christ. And they are gathering together to pray. And then in verse 24, chapter 1, He says, And they prayed. They prayed together. And said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether these men that Thou hast chosen. And they took an extra man for the apostle, but they did this together as a church. And they prayed about it as a church. And then, in Acts chapter 4, after we see that this church is gathering together in the promises of Jesus Christ, and then with much power, the promise is fulfilled to them of the Holy Spirit coming to them. In verses 24 through 31 of chapter 4, it tells us that the Holy Spirit came as they were together praying. And His promises were fulfilled to them. Prayer was a top priority of the apostles along with their study of the Word. And it should be not just for the apostles and not just for the minister. It is for the church to be praying together. But as I said earlier at the beginning, we, we see this missing. We see all kinds of calls for, for volunteers, which I strongly support and I strongly encourage. We see constant appeals for people to go out and witness, which I strongly support and I strongly encourage. But how often do we hear the churches of the world appealing that people come together to just meet and pray? To just meet together and pray. But yet, that's what we see this New Testament church doing all throughout this book of Acts. Is meeting together to pray. What an impact we would have on this world if we were as eager to pray together as we were to go out and witness. As we were to volunteer for a ministry. As we were to gather together for any activity if we had that same excitement and enthusiasm and joy over gathering together to just pray together as a people to our God. Just look what happened later on in Acts chapter 12. Peter's in prison. It's the middle of the night. And what is the church doing? They're not at home just wishing and hoping and wringing their fingers Alone that Peter somehow would be saved. They were together petitioning God. We don't have to wait for a Sunday morning or a Sunday afternoon or a Wednesday night. If there's a need, if there's something strong that we feel that we must get together, then get together and pray. It doesn't have to be the entire congregation. Better it is. How much better? But some of you gather together and pray. Pray for Haiti. What's going on in Haiti with the churches there? Pray for your brothers and sisters there. Gather together to pray for the persecuted in China and in Taiwan and wherever throughout this world. Get together and just pray as a church. Because we have a Father who hears those prayers. Because Peter was delivered. But what did that church do when Peter came to their door? 
They didn't even believe it. They had faith like I haven't seen before. And they were in the middle of the night praying and still they were shocked and surprised that God answered their prayers. Brothers and sisters, listen. God answers prayers. So cry out to God in those prayers and be persistent in your prayer. Romans 12, 12 says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Paul prayed for thorns to be removed over and over and over. He constantly is asking the church to pray for him and the other preachers. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Pray without ceasing. Be persistent as that widow in Luke chapter 18. Go constantly back to God in prayer. And we do this by petitioning God as Ephesians chapter 6 verses 18 through 20. And you can find a parallel to this in Colossians chapter 4. It says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Pray for the saints. For all the saints, not just this body. Pray for each other. We are a body here, but we have a universal body of Jesus Christ that needs your prayers as a church. So Paul is telling them, pray always to this end for all the saints. Be persistent in your prayers for your brothers and sisters because you need it too. You need their prayers and they need yours. And then Paul says... And for me, praying always with all prayer and supplication to this end for all the saints and for me that the utterance may be given me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Pray for your preachers. Pray for all the preachers that are declaring God's truth that they may have an opportunity to pray, preach, and that their mouth may be open through the will of God to preach the truth. Do not deny going to God as a body together to pray for preaching. Praying for each other. Praying for the preachers. That I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Pray for Mike. Pray for I. Pray for the preachers you know and the preachers you don't know. That we may speak as we ought to speak. And you do this as a church. Yes, you do this individually. But I'm talking about a church that is dedicated to prayer together. Pray for us. I'm sure most of you have heard this story, but I love it. It's Charles Spurgeon's story of the boiler room. He had a group of ministers that wanted to come and see the big tabernacle he preached at in London. They really just wanted to tour the beautiful church. And then after they're done, he says, would you like to go see my boiler room? And they turn him down like, no, brother, that's okay. We've seen enough. And he goes, but I want you to see my boiler room. And he takes them down to the basement to just a nondescript room. And he opens the door. And there gathered are 100 people praying. And Spurgeon said... Whenever people ask me, what is the success of my ministry? 
And he said, my people pray for me. I love Charles Spurgeon. I look up to him. He's known as the Prince of Preachers. I've read lots of his books. But Spurgeon would not have been the man that he was if he did not have a boiler room full of people praying for him to be the man that God had called him to be. And that must be you, church. Pray that the gospel be declared because you need it. You need to be fed good food from the Word. And the preachers cannot do that if they are not being bathed in prayer by the people through the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray for your preachers. But brothers and sisters, you must believe and pray in faith. Trust that it will happen. Have faith that God knows what is best for our needs. And you go to Him and ask. James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16 says, Praying for the sick. And the church, call for the elders to lay hands upon the sick, anointing them with oil and praying. We pray as a church for one another. No, it's not a small matter if you're sick. Pray. God cares. Don't think that it's just those little tiny things that may be insignificant. God hears the prayers and the petitions of His people, even in just sickness. James chapter 1, verse 5 through 6 says that we must pray in faith. If any of you lack wisdom, ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given. But let him ask in faith, nothing, nothing wavering. Go to God, but believe. Have faith in the God of these scriptures. And the God of your salvation, when you go to Him in prayer. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says, To come before Him, draw near with full assurance of faith. You are confident in what has been purchased that we read in Hebrews chapter 10. And you go to that holy of holies, that throne room, in a full assurance, confidence in faith. Brothers and sisters, ours is a spiritual battle that we fight here. Our warfare is not carnal. It's not the weapons of man. But it is through God and His power over you and His strength through you and His life-giving influence in you that you fight these spiritual battles. That you pull down the strongholds that the enemy has. Ephesians chapter 6, when Paul is speaking of the armor of God, and he ends a section of chapter 6, and he says, Praying with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, let your request be made known unto God. Prayer is the ultimate weapon in this carnal, this spiritual fight. Prayer is your ultimate weapon. Corporate prayer is vital to the health of our church. It is vital to the body of the church. It is vital for you as individual bodies of the church. Not to just know that the church is praying, but that you are praying with the church. That you together 
as a blood-bought body, pray without ceasing together. No, we can't meet every night. Well, we could technically meet every night for a prayer meeting. But sometimes you just can't do it. It's not always practical. But brothers and sisters, we need to make it a priority to come together to pray. To meet in your small groups to pray. To pray for each other. To pray for each other in this fight. To pray for your preachers in this fight. Knowing with full assurance that the war is won, but we still must fight these battles every day. Too often we lose sight of how simple prayer is. Prayer is not to be some great oratory where people fawn over your great words. Prayer is simply redeemed sinners approaching a mighty God. I love that we have prayer here at this church to start our service in the morning. After we've had songs and we've read Scripture, we pray again. Mike gets up and he prays and he preaches and he prays. We talk again and we pray again. We go back there and we pray. We come in here and we pray. We cannot pray too much. Be thankful for that prayer. It is vital for you. These four aspects that we've looked at, doctrine, fellowship, the Lord's Supper, and prayer, they are critical pursuits to a healthy church. They are make the church what God has called the church to be. There's more involved, yes, but those four, those four, all the rest are wrapped up in fellowshipping together, in breaking bread together, and praying together, and being dedicated to the hearing of truth. Those four bring all the rest of our Christian walk together. They bring it together for us. So may we be a dedicated church, because we will see later on that there are trials coming to this church. Heavy trials. But they stay faithful because they are a dedicated church. Dedicated to the truth. To being together. To remembering the Lord's sacrifice. And going to Him because of that sacrifice. Let's pray. Holy Father, Lord, we come to You knowing that you hear. Lord, you tell us in Psalm 34 through the psalmist, he says, Come, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. God, we magnify you today through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen.